it's great to be back here in Amarillo. It's a privilege for me. As some of you know, um, my family has roots here in the Panhandle, so it's always special for me to be back. Um, I can't believe it's already been two years since I was here last time, um, but I can't be too unhappy because last year for World Communion Sunday, uh, Murray and Howard invited my sister, Ellen Schultz, to preach, and she's a better preacher than I am, so y'all were wise to invite Ellen. But I am particularly excited to be here on World Communion Sunday. Um, this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year, and it's just an incredible privilege from my standpoint to, to reaffirm that we really are a part of a global movement. You know, the, the body of Christ continues to expand all over the world, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. I'm also thankful to be here because of just my gratitude for this church's partnership and ministry with my wife and I. I was actually, you know, stepping back and actually 25 years ago, you guys started partnering with my wife and I when we moved to Central Asia in 1997. And that doesn't seem possible. 25 years have gone by very quickly. Um, but I, before I get started, I do have a request, and I hope you'll indulge me. Um, one of the things I've always appreciated about the Panhandle is the folks that live here, you all understand hospitality. My mom understood hospitality and still does, and that's one of the reasons why my mom always loved coming out here to the Panhandle. But one of the things my mom taught me about hospitality is that you're always supposed to let your guests win. As Murray said, he did not allow his guests to win yesterday. So my request is for you all to help Murray grow in his understanding of hospitality so that next year or whenever I come back that he'll approach things differently. Um, but before we read our passage for this morning, I do want to make a few observations. Um, the first is, though, even though our scripture text for this morning is only five verses, they're important ones. And in these five verses, especially in the first three, Jesus taught his followers profound truths about the kingdom of God, truths that I believe Jesus wants us to understand as well. But most of all, I don't believe Jesus wants us to just understand these truths. I believe Jesus wants us to live them out. He wants us to put them into practice. Second, as we read through the book of Matthew, and definitely here in chapter 13, some of the people that we see encountered Jesus realized there was something radically different about Jesus. As N.T. Wright observes in his commentary on Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, we see that some of Jesus' hearers were discovering that when they listened to Jesus, they were brought into the presence of God and into knowing and doing God's will in a whole new way. My prayer is that that will be true for each one of us this morning as we hear Jesus' words afresh. In terms of understanding the kingdom of God in deeper ways, Jesus didn't necessarily make that easy for his listeners. Since one of his preferred means of teaching was using stories or parables, as we often call them. Sometimes Jesus explained his parables, but other times he didn't. As we'll see in the, the two short parables that we're gonna study this morning. He didn't explain them. He expected his hearers to wrestle with them, to grapple with them, and in so doing, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct their thinking. And that's my prayer for us right now. Again, quoting from N.T. Wright, 
Christianity isn't about cozy little lessons to make us feel better. It's about what God is doing in the world, what God has already done in Jesus, and what God wants to do through each one of us today. As we prepare to read our scripture for this morning, would you please bow with me in prayer? Lord God, as we study your word now, I pray that you would open our hearts as well as our minds. As we study these verses, God, reveal yourself to us in fresh ways. Holy God, your word is living and active. And as you speak to us through your word, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we would put it to practice in our lives. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, now let's read our text for this morning, which is Matthew 13, verses 31 through 35. He, Jesus, put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven. And I should note that this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, is Matthew's preferred phrase to use for the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowd in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the word of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I already mentioned that Jesus used parables to challenge his hearers to engage with what he was saying in, in deeper ways. In that last sentence of our text, Jesus was quoting from Psalm 78, verse 2. And in doing so, he's showing that even his preferred means of teaching was in fulfillment of prophecy. Though we don't have time this morning to go into much detail in terms of how Jesus used the parables, there's great information out there available about that. For example, the Bible Project team has produced a great short video about how we can better understand Jesus' parables. You can simply Google Bible Project video, how to read the parables, and it will come up. Don't Google it right now, but say this afternoon, during a break in the NFL games, Google it and watch that video. It'll give you some great insights. In terms of our passage, let's start with the parable of the mustard seed. I want to reread verses 31 through 32. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. As we see throughout the Gospels, Jesus used familiar examples from everyday life to be the focus for his parables. Though some of the examples he used might not be familiar for us, they were familiar for his hearers, like the mustard seed. I've never planted a mustard seed, but Jesus' hearers probably had, and they would have immediately thought about how tiny a mustard seed is. 
though it isn't actually the smallest of all seeds, it was likely the smallest seed that any one of them had ever planted. Also, his hearers would have immediately understood that this little tiny seed can grow into a huge shrub, a shrub even as large as a small tree. In a profound way, Jesus was challenging their understanding of the kingdom of God, the common understanding of what God's kingdom would be like in Jesus' day was that it would take the form of a political kingdom and it would be established through military victories. All Israel's enemies would be defeated, most definitely the Romans, and this kingdom would be visible to all. The fulfillment of all this would result in God's people being set free and the splendor of, and power of Israel being restored. As we know, the kingdom Jesus announced was of a completely different nature. In Jesus, God was in fact fulfilling his promises, but he was fulfilling them through a Messiah who came to suffer and die, not through a Messiah who came to establish a political kingdom. Jesus made it clear that through his ministry, the kingdom of God had come, but not yet in its fullness. Jesus wanted them to understand the kingdom of God is like that tiny little mustard seed. From the outside, it might appear insignificant, but it's the power of God that's redeeming and transforming lives. I want to tell you a story that illustrates this, and it's a story about one of the missionaries that you guys partner with and support, Marta Bennett. As some of you know, Marta is a mom, she's a professor, she's a pastor, and she's a mentor to young African leaders. She grew up here in the U.S. Faustin actually grew up in Rwanda, and his dad was a traditional African priest. And out of all of Faustin's siblings, he was the one selected to follow in his father's footsteps. But when he was 20, Faustin met Jesus, and Jesus radically changed his life. Eventually, Faustin became a pastor and during the Rwandan genocide, he and his wife hid both Hutus and Tutsis in their house under, under the beds so that they could be saved and then eventually flee to the, to the DRC. In early 1995, Faustin and his wife and their four kids arrived in Nairobi. And Faustin enrolled at the Christian University where Marta was teaching at that point. He spoke almost no English. But by the time he graduated, he was editing some of Marta's papers. Faustin is bright, and most of all, he's passionate about the kingdom of God. After graduating there in Nairobi, he directed a ministry of reconciliation and leadership development for a number of years. Then he came to the U.S. to do his Ph.D. After he finished his Ph.D., he didn't stay here in the U.S. He returned to Africa returned to Kenya specifically to teach at the graduate level. At the same time, when they returned back to Kenya, Faustin and his wife launched a grassroots leadership development ministry for pastors and community leaders in Rwanda. That ministry is called TL Africa, or Transformational Leadership Africa. When participants graduate from these training programs, they receive a certificate in the form of a cow or a goat. I love it. They have to feed their certificates. Faustin has done an amazing job of contextualizing leadership development for the African context. Lately, Faustin has been focusing his work uh, with Transformation Leadership Africa 
and Marta is on the, his Kenyan board, but their focus has been building a, a university in northern, Uganda, in northern Rwanda to train pastors and other Christian leaders. As some of you know, Rwanda continues to struggle. And Faustin and other Christian leaders there in Rwanda believe that the hope for Rwanda is going to be to train up a new generation of leaders. The work of TL Africa and the university they're building there is another example of the mustard seed of God's kingdom. It might appear small, but as both Faustin and Marta understand, through the power of God's Spirit, Lives are going to be transformed, and the kingdom of God will be revealed in new ways in Rwanda. Now let's shift our focus to the parable of the yeast. I want to reread verse 33 again. He, Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is, is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. The NIV translates the verse this way. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The important point here is that this would have produced a huge amount of bread, about 60 loaves, enough to feed about 40 people for several days. Jesus was inviting his followers, and through them, I believe Jesus is inviting us to penetrate the world around us in the same way that yeast penetrates dough and, transform it, and transforms it. In terms of yeast, it might appear small, but it has tremendous power to transform, just like the kingdom of God. A crucial point in both of these parables is that the kingdom of God is here, but not yet in fullness. As N.T. Wright also observes, somehow Jesus wanted his followers to live with the tension of believing that the kingdom of God was indeed arriving in and through his own work and that this kingdom would come, would fully arrive, not all in a bang, but through a process like the slow growth of a plant or the steady leavening of a loaf. My question for each one of us this morning is this. Do we really believe this? And are we willing to live this way? Back in 1981, Tom Sign wrote a fascinating book called The Mustard Seed Conspiracy. Reflecting on the parable of the mustard seed, he wrote, it's still God's policy to work through the embarrassingly insignificant to change his world and to create his future. He has chosen to work through the foolishness of human instrumentality. And he wants your life and my life to make a difference in the world. Not only is this a compelling way to look at the parable of the mustard seed, it's also directly relevant to the parable of, of the yeast. Let me read that statement again. It's still God's policy to work through the embarrassingly insignificant, to change his world and to create his future. He's chosen to work through the foolishness of human instrumentality, and he wants your life and my life to make a difference in the world. I want to share another story about what this looks like. I already shared about Marta and Faustin there in East Africa. Now I want to tell you about Sharon. Thankfully, Sharon, like Marta, understands that God has chosen to work through the foolishness of human instrumentality. 
And just like Martha, Sharon also understands that the growth of God's kingdom is a process like the slow growth of a plant or the steady leavening of a loaf. In September of 2019, God led Sharon into a beautiful journey of serving refugees in the Houston area. Specifically, she started teaching English classes to refugee women who are a part of an amazing organization called PLI, Prestige Learning Institute. PLI is committed to demonstrating God's love in tangible ways to refugees in Houston. She started teaching in that September of 2019, and she continued teaching right up until March of 2020 when COVID hit and things were shut down. Though Sharon had an extremely diverse group of students, she loved it. Her students were from Afghanistan, from Burma, from Syria, from Uganda, as well as other countries. She loved seeing the growth in these women as they improved their English and, and grew their confidence. Thankfully, the classes started back up in the fall of 2020, and Sharon jumped right back in, and she's continued teaching to this day. Though her day job is that of a speech therapist, she continues to faithfully engage with these refugees several evenings a week. Sharon understands that through her ESL teaching, God is using her to demonstrate and live out the good news of God's love in Christ in practical ways. This spring, God nudged Sharon to go deeper. Specifically, God nudged Sharon to join some of the other women who were visiting these refugee women and their families in the apartment complexes where they lived. These apartment complexes are, are in places where Sharon doesn't normally go, and it was a stretch of faith for her to, to, to join these visitation groups. On one visit, she got to meet the husband of one of her students who had worked with the U.S. military in Afghanistan. Sharon's student still has four of her brothers that are still in Afghanistan. One of them was a former judge and is being pursued by the Taliban. God opened the way for Sharon and her friend to pray for her student and for her family members back in Afghanistan and to also share about God's love for them. God is using Sharon and the others there at PLI to plant seeds of the kingdom and the lives of their refugee neighbors. Sharon's quick to admit there's times when she feels completely inadequate, times when she feels like she just isn't up for this. And it's just at those times that God reminds her that his power is made perfect in our weakness. Where is God calling each one of us to plant seeds of God's kingdom and be agents of transformation in the lives of others? If you're a student, maybe it's on your campus. Maybe God is calling you to share Christ's love in creative ways with some of your classmates. Sometimes sharing the love of Jesus in small ways might seem insignificant, but whenever we do that, we're planting kingdom seeds. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, those seeds have the power to transform people's lives, to bring hope, to give peace, to bring joy. If you're a business person, Maybe God is calling you to plant seeds of God's kingdom there in your workplace. Maybe there's work colleagues that have been hurt by the church and maybe some that have withdrawn from the church and, and, and most of all feel alienated from God. Maybe others kind of avoid those people, but maybe God's nudging you to reach out and build bridges and to demonstrate the love of Jesus in tangible, practical ways.
As Tom Sign again wrote in that mustard seed conspiracy, it's still God's policy to work through the embarrassingly insignificant to change his world and to create his future. He's chosen to work through the foolishness of human instrumentality, and he wants our lives to make a difference in this world. I believe that with all my heart, that God wants our lives to make a difference in this world. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's given us the means for that to happen. I believe the kingdom work that God is calling each one of us to is often slow work. Sometimes it's painfully slow. As N.T. Wright observed, it's, it's, it's the process of the slow, like the slow growth of a plant or the slow leavening of a loaf. May God give us the courage and the faith to live that out, planting seeds of God's kingdom and being agents of transformation wherever it is that God has called us, even when that work is slow, even when it's hard, and even when we might be tempted to give up. To God be the glory. Amen.